Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and encouragement to your life. For a list of messages, to stream live services, and for updates about events and more info, visit lifechurchroa.org. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Good morning. Somebody say, unpopular opinion. San Francisco is going to win the Super Bowl. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't care who wins the Super Bowl. That's not true. I do care a little bit. Uh, But uh, it's all good. Hey, thank you for being here today. For those of you who don't know, my name is Pastor Joshua. Welcome to Life Church. We're so glad that you're here. If you're home, we're glad you're home. If you're visiting, thank you for, for choosing to be with us and living life together. Uh, we're starting a new series today called Unpopular Opinion. We just finished up Everyday Intersections last week. How many of you were blessed last week with the service and the testimony that was given? Anybody blessed last week? Come on. Listen, if you missed last week, you need to go back and watch last week, okay? You can go to our YouTube page. You can go to uh, our uh, podcast. But you need to catch up with what happened last week. God is moving in the life family in incredible ways. And you need to go back and check it out. Hey, we're starting a new series today. We're going to be talking about some unpopular opinions, things that the world doesn't want to hear, things that sometimes the church doesn't want to hear. Okay? Sometimes we deal with things as a church too. How many of you, how many of you have ever been, uh, and don't raise your hand, just think about it, but have ever been the topic of gossip? I've been the topic of gossip. Anybody ever watched a Disney movie? I love Disney. You guys know I love Disney, but you know what? One of the number one messages in Disney movies is follow your heart. That is a myth. Okay? That is a myth, and, and we're going to unpack that myth today a little bit. All right? So go ahead and open up your Bible to the book of Colossians and camp there for just a second because we're going to talk about what we're going uh, to unpack over the next few weeks and specifically today. Unpopular opinion, follow your heart. That's a myth. It's unpopular that that's a myth. We want to follow our feelings. We want to do what we want to do. Right? Unpopular opinion, don't have the 15th cookie. Unpopular opinion, don't spend until you don't have any reserve. Right? Unpopular opinion, You could put all kinds of things there. Today we're going to talk about the myth of following your heart. A number of years ago, I uh, traveled for my job. I worked for a company that sent me into independent grocery stores, and I would uh, counsel. I would do retail counseling with those independent stores. But at that time, I didn't have a GPS. Now, it's hard to imagine a world without being able to say, to a, to a particular phone or any of our phones to take you to a place. Some of us constantly put in the place, even if we know where we're going, just so we can see if we can beat the time. Anybody play that game? Y'all lying? Come on in church. Yeah, Dean, Dean knows what I'm talking about, right? You know where Walmart is, but you wonder if you can make it a minute faster. Still going the speed limit. I understand you guys would never break the law, right? Okay. Uh, But I didn't have GPS. I had MapQuest and an atlas. And in some cases, I had experience, right? There were moments where I had driven to this store before, to this place before. Other times, I got lost. 
Other times I used MapQuest or I used my Atlas. But there was always these places that I had been before that I would remember something. Right? I would have a point of reference. Now, a point of reference, okay, could have been anything from uh, a store, like a, a little corner store. Could have been somebody's house. When you're traveling in West Virginia, where I'm from, okay, a lot of times point of reference is a bathtub or a toilet in somebody's yard that they've made a flower planter. Come on. Listen, resourceful people. I come from a very long line of resourceful people. And once, we've, once the toilet is replaced in the house, you can't just throw it away. you got to do something with it. So you put it out in the yard and you put flowers in it. Okay? Y'all think I'm joking, but I promise you I'm not. Okay? When I went to, when I went to the store in Welch, West Virginia, okay, great people in Welch, wonderful people, but a point of reference was a bathtub in the middle of somebody's yard. Yeah, absolutely, right? I'm not lying. And so sometimes, though, we got to have that. We have to have those moments, right? And so as I was traveling, there were some life lessons that I learned that I feel like I should have known before I learned them. Anybody ever learned something when it was a little too late? <laughs> By the time I learned them, though, it was a little too late. Another example of this was the importance of checking the oil in your car. I'm going to just throw it out there. If you've never checked the oil in your vehicle, you need to leave here today, go out to the parking lot, and check your oil. Okay? If you've never checked your oil, you didn't even know it needed oil, your car needs oil, and you need to check it regularly. Let me tell you what happens for a point of reference. If you don't check your oil, your engine will blow up. Especially if your vehicle is leaking oil. And you didn't know it. Let me tell you how I know. I blew up an engine in a 99 Chevy S10. I'll never forget it. I was on Route 19 in Oak Hill, West Virginia. I was going up a hill and I heard click, 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 like a roller coaster. Your vehicle should not sound like a roller coaster. And then all of a sudden it stopped moving. Did you know when you blow up an engine, it doesn't always blow up? Sometimes it just stops. Blew up an engine. There are some lessons that we have to learn along the way that it's a little too late to learn sometimes, okay? I learned that you have to check the oil in your car about 30 seconds after my engine blew up. And during my time traveling, I learned the importance of reference points. Things that reminded me that I'm going the right way. Things that showed me I was going the right way. And in navigation, this is really true, right? In fact, the most important reference point in navigation is true north. It's one of the greatest reference points. Being able to find true north is crucial for navigation because it serves as a reference point for determining direction. True north is the geographic north pole, which is located at the northernmost part of the earth's axis of rotation. I know more information than you want to know, but I promise we're going somewhere. And you're going to want to know this. When you navigate using True North as a reference, you can establish a constant and accurate sense of direction. We need some reference points. Sometimes that might be True North. Other times it might be the corner store that you're supposed to turn at to get to where you're trying to go. Let me tell you what happens when you don't. Okay, When you're approximately 25 feet away from your destination and you're off by one degree. One degree. Okay? 
You're moving, thinking that you're going in the right direction, that you're in a straight line, that you're going where you're supposed to go, but you're off by one degree. doesn't feel like you're off. doesn't feel like a big deal, right? By the time you get to the end of your destination, you're five inches from where you're supposed to be. In this illustration, five inches put me at a mousetrap. The difference between where I wanted to be and where I ended up could have really hurt me. <laughs> now, I made sure to use one of the safety traps because I'm not stupid. I made sure I was wearing nice shoes because I'm not stupid. But do you understand the difference of five inches could put me off of a cliff? Even at 25 feet, just 25 feet away. What happens when you amplify that? Well, at one mile away, when I'm traveling one mile, if I'm off by one degree, it places me 90 feet from my intended destination. 90 feet. Can you imagine what the difference between 90 feet would be at the edge of a volcano? Take it even further. If I'm traveling 50 miles, it puts me off just one degree. 15 and a third football fields away from my destination. If I'm traveling 100 miles, it puts me a mile, 1.75 miles from my intended destination. You'll see where we're going with this? Just one degree off. If I'm going 500 miles, eight miles from my destination. If I'm going 1,000 miles, 17 miles from my intended destination. When I lose sight of my reference point, when I stop going the way that I'm supposed to go, when I start following the wrong thing, you picking, up, you picking this up yet? It puts me off course from my intended destination. It puts me in a place I never wanted to be, never intended to be, and so far away from where I'm supposed to be, I can't even fix it. Escalates really fast. And the sum total of my life is big, and the reference point that I use to live my life will determine where my life ends up. Deviations without correction will place me at a destination I never intended to be, doing things I never intended to do, being someone I was never created to be. We're not the first or the last people that are, need, that are going to need to consider is Jesus our true north? Is he our reference point? We began the last series talking about Jesus being our the priority. Not a priority, the priority. In this series we're beginning to talk about how he's the priority. He's the reference point. Every journey that I take, every step that I take is moving towards him and his plan for my life. And if it's not, then I've deviated and I need correction. If instead of following his word and his will and what he has laid out, the path that he's laid out before me, I choose to follow my heart, I'm going to be off by a lot. We're going to talk about why today. We're going to talk about why that makes a difference. Our first unpopular opinion that we're going to explore surrounds the myth that we should follow our heart. So let's jump in. I told you to turn to Colossians. The book of Colossians is uh, after Philippians and before Thessalonians. Paul is writing this letter from prison, right? 
Paul's in prison writing this letter to a people that he didn't even know. He hasn't even met before. And he's writing the letter. And he's in prison because he said Jesus is the risen Lord. He started talking about resurrection. How many of you know resurrection is important? Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're in trouble. So Paul begins to talk about it. He begins to lay it out. And, the, and people don't like it. So they put him in prison for it. And so he's in prison and a friend comes to visit him. This friend happened to be the guy who planted the church that we're going to read about in the book of Colossians. He started the church there and while he's visiting Paul, he tells him about how good they're doing. But he also tells him about some of the challenges. How many of you know no matter how good a church is doing, there are always challenges? Amen? So... He's telling him about all this, and Paul writes this letter to address those issues and to challenge them to a greater devotion to Jesus, to challenge them to see him as the reference point, to be the destination. They're trying to get to where he is, not where they're trying to go. He's basically going to tell them that they have to keep Jesus' true north, to live a life worthy of the Lord. Colossians was probably the smallest and least important city that Paul ever wrote to. Even so, he thought enough of the situation there to give it some attention. So Paul wrote this because there were problems among the Christians. It was sometimes described, it's sometimes described by, uh, by theologians as the, the Colossian heresy. It's difficult to precisely describe because the book kind of jumps around a little bit everywhere, but... There was a corruption of Christianity in this town. There were elements of mysticism and legalistic Judaism. And and the reason I tell you all that is because what they were doing was mixing religions. They accepted that Jesus was important and that he was Lord, but they didn't stop worshiping the other gods that they were worshiping. He became a part of their worship, but not all of their worship. He wasn't a reference point for their life. He was just a a little footnote in their lives. And how many of you know you can't have Jesus as a footnote? He's got to be the priority. He's got to be the reference point. He's got to be your intention. He's got to be the destination. He's got to be where you're moving. He's got to lead every single step because just five inches off throws me off of this stage. And they struggled with that. They were mixing religions to create their own recipe. They were following their heart. And it led to deviations from Jesus and would have put them miles from their true destination if it wasn't corrected. Let's jump in and begin reading. We're going to start reading in verse 9 today. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. It says this. This is Paul. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. Anybody want people to pray for you that never stopped praying for you? If you ever think, you know what, pastor probably has enough people praying for him, I don't. Pray for me a little bit longer. Okay? Pray for me a little bit more because if anybody gets in my way from ministry, it's going to be me. So you pray that I stay out of God's way. Okay? I need that. He says, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. When the way you live... Will always, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, he says, you will grow 
as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. Now keep your finger there. We're going to keep reading in just a minute, but I like to break things down a little bit slower than reading the whole thing at one time. So first, Paul gives, Paul prays that they would have a knowledge of God's will. Now I don't know about you, but I need a knowledge of God's will. I need a knowledge of God's will for my children, for my spouse, for this church, for my finances, for every aspect of my life. And the great thing that we learn from Paul here is that all we really got to do is ask. All we really got to do is pray. We talked about this last week when we talked about praying for miracles. All we got to do is ask. And he's going to lead us and guide us. I need to know your will, God. It's not mystic. He's not hiding it from us. He wants us to know it. And Paul's making it clear here. To the Colossians, God has a will for them that he wants them to follow. He doesn't want them to keep worshiping this God and this God and this God and this God. He doesn't want them to keep just following their heart about what they feel. There's a plan. There's a process. There's something that he wants. God does not want them to just aimlessly walk towards a destination. He wants them on path, on track, because it's dangerous when you're not. If you don't speak in public often and then you have to get up and speak and you get off of your notes or you have no notes, you will likely say something you did not mean to say. You will likely do something you did not mean to do. If you speak often in public and you get off of your notes, you will still say something that you shouldn't say or something that you didn't mean. When we get off of the path of God's will for our lives and we begin to follow our own, we begin to make our own decisions to do our own thing and leave God out of the process. Even if we're only off by one degree, we will not get to the intended destination. What he's telling them. Their whole life is surrounded by these worshiping these multiple gods. Second, Paul prays not just that they would have spiritual understanding and knowledge, but that they would live according to that knowledge that they received. Living out a walk worthy of the Lord based on that knowledge, not a walk that follows their own understandings or feelings. How many of you know if you followed your own feelings, half the time you wouldn't get out of bed? Am I the only one? I rolled over this morning when the alarm went off and was like, hey, snooze. (laughs) It's a bad idea for the preacher to snooze his alarm on Sunday morning. Just saying. There's an echo of what Jesus says here in in this, in John chapter 15. Jesus says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. And I love this because it leaves room for all of us and our talents and our passions. And and finally in the section, he tells us that it is his strength that will help us meet all of life's challenges. How many of you know sometimes the path that he's going to have you walk is up a mountain? Right, but we can stand at the bottom of the mountain, look up at the top and say, where does my help come from? (laughs) My help comes from the Lord. If I got to climb a mountain, he's going to have to carry me up. 
right? I, I want you to understand if it's his path, it's his path, and I'm willing to walk it. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to do it. And we have to be willing to. We have to be willing to walk that path. To overcome those things, those problems. This section, he tells us that it's his strength that will help us meet all of life's challenges and to endure and overcome problems with circumstances and people. If we rely on our feelings in circumstances and with people, we will likely not endure or be filled with joy. Think about the last time you had an argument with someone. You said some things maybe you shouldn't have said. It's hard to go back and apologize. It's hard to go back and, and swallow that pride. Yet we chose to walk based on our feelings to say something or do something based on how we felt. Instead of based on what God, what Jesus tells us to do, forgive, right? It's one of the key points of this unpopular opinion that we're going to talk about in a few weeks is forgiveness. It's unpopular, but forgiveness requires some things of us. We're going to dig into that. That's a sermon for another day. Verse 12, let's keep reading. Verse 12 says that he's always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance, he, that Paul writes to him, that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Paul reminds them that their freedom from the kingdom of darkness is not a wage but an inheritance. It's not something that they earn, not something that's been given to them because they work. It's something that's been given to them because God loves you. This is important because when we're talking about how, who we follow, I want to follow somebody who loves me. I don't want to follow somebody who's going to lead me into the, to a volcano. And at least, if, at least somebody that I know, if he is going to lead me into a volcano, is going to be there to catch me. Going to be there to protect me. It's important that we know when we're following the path of Jesus, sometimes it feels like, we sang it today, that he hasn't left us, he hasn't forsaken us. It's important for us to know that, to hang on to that as we're walking the path. When Jesus is our point of reference instead of how I feel or any other thing, these powers of darkness lose power. Power of darkness will lull us to sleep, but Jesus wakes us up to new life. The power of darkness is skilled at concealment, but Jesus shows a way, shines the light bright. The power of darkness affects and, and, and or afflicts and depresses us, and Jesus delivers and delights us. What Paul's talking about here is a, a lifestyle, something different. When you're walking this path, every step might feel a little hard, but we know the destination is Jesus Christ. Being in his presence, being with him, living the life that he's challenged us to live. Not following my heart. Paul continues this part of scripture with a poem that exalts the Messiah. Verse 15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. 
He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. I want you to see this poem is going to basically say everything we've been talking about, that he is, he is supreme over everything. He's supreme over your path. He's supreme over the darkness, the powers of darkness. And if we're willing to walk the path, he'll be supreme over our lives. Paul goes on, for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. Come on. He is the beginning Supreme over all who raise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace and everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Paul uses this poem to say Jesus is true north. Jesus is the reference point in this life, in his path, has to be our path. We have to follow him. To follow our hearts is to give supremacy to something else. We live in a world that places self above everything. We're all little sons with our own universe. <laughs> Jesus says, I want you, I want to be at the center. I want to be at the center. Paul goes on in verse 21, he says, This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has been reconciled. He has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he's brought you into his own presence. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue. Somebody say continue. You must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached, Paul says, all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. That Greek word for far away, when he says you were once far away from God, gives the idea it means to be transferred to another owner. When you, were, when you once belonged to someone else. He's saying now you belong to God. Another translation says it this way, you were alienated. This transfer of ownership from God to Satan and self affected us in both our mind and our behavior. It says once far away, meaning we are no longer alienated. We are now in the presence of God. We're now moving in the direction we're supposed to move when we come to know Christ. The difference in us from non-believer to believer isn't simply forgiveness. There's a complete change of status. Who I belong to changes. My path changes. You understand what I'm getting at here? That, that, that even just that one degree off because I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on what I want to do instead of what God wants me to do. When I came into his family, when I came under his supremacy, I made a choice to walk his path.
can't follow our hearts, but don't take my word for it. Let's look at scripture. Jeremiah 17, nine says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Come on, that's scripture. That's not me giving you my opinion. That's not me throwing anything out there. That is scripture. Matthew 15, 18 through 19 says, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. If I follow my heart, I'm following something that wants to trick me. That's what it says. If I'm following my heart, I'm following something that wants me to step off the edge and break my leg. I'm follow, if I follow my heart, I'm following something that wants me to end up at a different destination. You know, when Jesus talks about there's going to be some people one day who come to him at the end of, at the end of all days and say, I knew you, Lord, I knew you. And he, he's going to look at them and say, I didn't know you. There's people who followed their heart. They created their own recipe. It's the heart's deceitful. Got to give it to him. Got to walk his path. That's what he tells us to do, right? In, in Proverbs 4, 23, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Wait a minute, if it's deceitful, why do I need to guard it? Because it needs to belong to him. I got to give it to him and let him lead it. Even when that's not logical. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it feels like I'm walking on the wrong path, but, but it feels like I'm going up a mountain and I can't do any more. i got to be willing to do it. i got to be willing to walk. i got to be willing to let him lead and guide me. But trust in the Lord, it says, with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. It's a myth to follow your heart, church. We follow Jesus. We walk his path. It's a myth to lean on my own understanding and everything's going to be okay. Because my heart wants to lie to me. My heart wants to say five inches isn't really that big of a deal. It's just a sidestep. But if that mousetrap was a bear trap, we'd be having a different conversation. If you're taking notes, I want you to begin to write this down. I want you to start writing. Paul outlines what our points of reference should be as we look towards Jesus. As we're walking that path, we're looking for as we travel through life. And our world says to follow your heart, but Paul tells us, he begins in the very first verse that we read, verse 9. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge, it says. Paul says, don't follow your heart, seek his will. Seek his will. You can't do that if you're not actually asking him what his will is. I'm going to encourage you here. If you haven't been a part of the, of the house of prayers that we've been having, I'm going, to, I'm going to encourage you to step out. We've got another one coming up at the beginning of March to get here because we are seeking the will of God for our lives, seeking the will of God for this church, for our community, seeking the will of God all of those things. I'm going to encourage you to be a part of that. 
Because we're spending time actively seeking the will of God. Paul doesn't just stop there. He says, don't just seek the will of God. You gotta, you have, don't follow your heart. Seek the wisdom of God. James tells us that if we want God's wisdom, all we got to do is ask. He says it's that simple. The brother of Jesus said all you got to do if you want wisdom is ask God for wisdom. Ask him. Spend time talking to God. I want to be on your path. How do I do that? How do I walk this? How do I, how do I mend broken relationships? How do I live this life? Give me the wisdom. Give me the words to say to the next person that wants to argue with me or that I want to argue with because how many of you know sometimes it's just us wanting to argue? Verse 10, Paul goes on and he says, don't follow your heart. Please God, not yourself. Don't follow your heart. Please God. First, you got to seek his will. Then you got to seek his wisdom. And then he says in verse 10, look, you need to honor God with your life. Please him. Live a life worthy of that calling that he's given you. He says, as you please God, don't follow your heart, but produce good fruit. This is a way we know whether or not we're following our heart or we're walking on the path that God has given us. Are we producing good fruit in our life? We've been talking about wanting to be not just a house of prayer, but a house of salvation, a house of miracles, a house of blessing, a house of calling, a house of growth. All of those things are going to require that in our individual lives we produce good fruit. He said, then in the way you live, in verse 10, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Seek his will, seek his kingdom so that we can please God and produce good fruit. I love Paul here because he doesn't stop. Paul's giving us stuff. Boom, boom, boom. There's like 15 sermons here. I'm gonna, and, I, and I'm just kind of giving you guys the, 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 the big picture. Because Paul goes on in verses 11 through 14. He says, don't follow your heart. Be empowered by his power. Quit trying to do it on your own. Don't try to do things on your own. He says, we also pray that you'll be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. Be empowered by him. Quit trying to do it on your own. Don't follow your heart. What you're trying to do is not going to lead to where you want to go. Be empowered by his power. He says, don't follow your heart. You've got to be enabled by his presence. Verse 12, he says, always thanking the Father, he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people. People who live in the light. He closes up those verses by saying, don't follow your heart. Be equipped by the present that he has given you, the gift of salvation. You know, that's something that can empower you. Have you ever thought about it that way? That if, if you'll live your life understanding that this gift is meant to empower you to live this life so that you can be Somebody who sees people saved. You can be a blessing to your world. It's not about following my heart. It's following his will. Paul closes up by giving us three more things in verse 23. 
He says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't follow your heart. Stand firm. There's going to be moments where you are walking the path that God has laid out before you. Jesus is your reference point. And there's going to be moments where it feels like it's wrong. There's going to be moments that's counterintuitive. There's going to be moments where everybody in your life says, this is crazy. Why are you doing this? Paul says, stand firm. Don't stop. Stand firm in your decision to make him your reference point. Stand firm in your decision not to follow that deceitful thing inside of you, but to allow God to change that thing and become the reference point. He goes on, he says, Don't drift away from the assurance you've received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. He says, Don't follow your heart, step sure. Stand firm and step sure. Know that he's leading you. Be willing to make the step. He closes it out by saying this. You don't follow your heart. You're not following your heart when you're not listening to that deceitful thing. When you've decided that his way is the only way that you're going to walk. And no matter what, you're not going to be distracted. You're not going to drift not even one degree Share him unapologetically. It says, proclaim the gospel. Church in Colossians was struggling with creating their own recipe for belief systems. Following their heart. We're allowing everything else to speak into their direction and it created problems in the church we're going to find out some more of those problems as we move on there was some gossip happening in the church some slander there were people who just believed outlandish things there, were, there was legalism going on because people chose to follow their heart instead of following Jesus Following your heart's a myth. Culture is created and that the enemy is using to trick us. And while I understand the sentiment behind it, there's a truth that we have to face. My feelings will almost always get in the way of the will of God unless I align them with the will of God. Bow your heads and close your eyes all across the room. I only ask you to do that so you can spend a minute alone with God as we reflect on His Word. And we're going to worship, close out today. But before we do, I just, a couple things I want to ask. Maybe you're in this room and you haven't. You don't have a reference point of Jesus at all. When we talk about following the will of God, that's kind of foreign to you. And we talk about getting to a destination of Jesus. It's a little, it's, it's a little off to you. Maybe you've heard of Jesus. Maybe you even gave your life to him at one point, but you didn't stick with it. Maybe you never have. Jesus stepped out of heaven, out of perfection, 
to an earth that was far from it. Because you and I are born into sin. And there's nothing that we can do to correct that separation between us and God. There isn't a price you can pay. There isn't a job you can do. There's nothing you can say under your, in your own power But I, I got to tell you, we're all moving towards a, a, an intended destination. Eternity is coming, whether we like it or not, whether it comes because we die of natural causes in old age or because Jesus comes back for his church. And you have an enemy of your soul who wants nothing more than for your eternity to be spent separated from a loving, caring, amazing God. That's the scary part about hell. The scary part about hell isn't, isn't all the stuff that we hear, all the fire and all that. The scary part is we're separated from the presence of God. You have never lived a moment in your life where you've been fully separated from the presence of God, but eternity's coming. And you're faced with a choice today to say, I, I need to recognize that I need Jesus in my life. I've got a lot of stuff that I've been using as true north, a lot of reference points that I've been living my life by, but I want to spend eternity in the presence of a loving God, not separated in anguish and agony. So if you're here today and maybe, maybe you've given, you, give, you gave your life to the Lord years ago, but you haven't lived it out. Maybe you've never given your life to the Lord. Jesus stepped out of heaven, lived a sinless life, became the sacrifice and the payment for what we could never pay. Gave up his life so that you and I would have the option to spend eternity in the presence of God. So today, if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, but you would say to me, you know, Pastor Josh, I hear what you're saying and I, and I know I need to make him supreme in my life. Maybe you don't even know all of the whys yet. But you know you want to do it. You know that you want Jesus to be your reference point. You want to ask him for that free gift that he gives of salvation. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Just want you to slip up your hand and keep it up for just a second. I don't ever want to be guilty of this time. Just moving on and pretending like everybody's there. All right, I hope that what that means is that every one of us are ready. I have you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed because this is a, another moment between you and God. If you didn't raise your hand, I'm going to assume in the room right now that you know Jesus. And here's the deal. Paul wasn't writing to the unsaved. He was writing to the church. I wonder if you would take a minute and search yourself and ask this question. Am I following my heart? with my life 
Have I bought the lie of the enemy? Am I off by even one degree today? Listen, there's grace for that. I'm not saying there's not grace. Hear me. I'm not saying that you're because you're off by one degree, you're automatically going to hell or any of that. I'm saying I just I know in my life that there are some areas that I follow my heart. Not not God's word. I don't seek his will or his wisdom in every area. I struggle with seeking his will in my finances or my marriage or whatever. One of these things that we talked about, Paul kind of addressing here. That I need to seek his will, seek his wisdom. Please God, produce good fruit, be empowered by his power, enabled by his presence, equipped by his presence. I need to stand firm, step sure, and share unapologetically. This, this is how we stop following our heart and start following him. If that's you today and you would say, you know what, I, I know there's some areas that I follow my heart and I just, I'm going to repent today and ask God to begin to lead me to help correct this course. I want you just to slip up your hand. You're not going to be alone because my hand's up. Well, keep them up for just a second. There's hands all around the room. If that's you, put your hand up. Come on. Anybody else? All right, look at me. If you raised your hand or you didn't raise your hand, okay, but you knew you should have, we're going to move into a, a brief time of worship and then we're going to be done for the day. Okay? But here's what I want you to do as you move into that worship. If you feel so led, you raised your hand, I want to encourage you to come up. We want to agree with you in prayer. You can come kneel at the altar. We just want to lay a hand on your shoulder and pray with you. This is not easy. What we're talking about is not easy. I get to preach it in, in a few minutes, but it's not simple. So if you raised your hand, I'm going to encourage you as the team begins to sing to come to the front. We want to just let you know we're there with you. Okay? I raised my hand. I just want you to know there's somebody there with you as you walk this path. You're not doing it alone. And as you come up, I want you to spend some time with God. Repent if you need to repent. Ask Him. Seek His will. Seek His wisdom. Come. Ask Him to help you produce good fruit to please Him. To help you stand firm, step sure, and share unapologetically all across the room let's stand if you raised your hand I want to encourage you to step out the team's going to begin to sing you can kneel here at the altar there's going to be somebody that comes up behind you leaders in the church you step up and begin to pray for those who come we're going to spend just a little bit of time praying and then we're going to wrap up and be done so if you raised your hand come on up right now thanks for joining us for this week's message don't forget to visit us at LifeChurchROA on Instagram and Facebook for updates service times and ways to get involved if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we would love to partner with you on your next steps. Visit lifechurchroa.org slash Jesus to learn more. We love you and we can't wait to see you soon.